0: And welcome in, everybody, to Hoopsville. We are once again on the air here in the 2014-15 season. Welcome in. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Uh, hope you're uh, getting ready or have enjoyed the start to the 2014-15 season. To say the least, it has gone uh, a little bit crazy. Not, not a smooth start for a lot of teams involved. We'll cover a lot of that here tonight. Let's get out of the social media uh, information for you, as we always do. Make sure you join us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on email, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, we've got lots to talk about tonight. Um, not a ton of guests tonight. We mentioned last show the men's basketball committee chair would be joining us in studio. A little bit of miscommunication on his and my part. I apologize in advance. Um, we are unable to get that to happen Uh, I misunderstood his travel plans. (laughs) Is basically um, the long and the short of that. We will be talking to him over the weekend at the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic at Stevenson and air that interview at a later date. So if you have questions for Jeff Burns on the men's side and Dave Martin on the women's side, talk to Dave today. We'll get him on in the next few weeks as well. Please email us again, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Use it via Twitter Uh, At D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville or Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, uh, Sorry, speaking of Twitter, getting that taken care of right now. Um, You can hear me punching away on my keyboard. Uh, that's the way. Sometimes is how you gotta do it. It's how you gotta do it. Um, so we will talk to those committee chairs in the next few weeks. Please email us your ideas. Tonight we will talk to Lauren Hill's men's uh, women's basketball coach at Mount Saint Joe. We'll talk to uh, Dan Benjamin here coming up on the show. Talk about. The significance of the game, as we talked about last week with Brad Johansson, but really what's going on now. The recent developments um, and certainly how the team is recovering. Of course, they play their first game since November 2nd, tomorrow, um, at Baldwin-Wallace. So we will talk to him uh, about that and just getting ready to now kind of ramp everything back up, whether she will be making the trip with them. The weather that they're all dealing with, uh, not nearly as bad as it is in Buffalo, but the tournament has been adjusted because of Buffalo. So we'll talk to him regarding all of that and plenty more. Also talk to the interim women's basketball coach at Scranton. Talk to Coach Klingsman about the changes that took place there uh, in Royals camp and how that has affected the team, certainly off to a good start and certainly highly ranked this year. Uh, We will also talk men's basketball with Stevenson men's basketball coach Gary Stewart. Uh, Of course, he uh, is part of the integral group that is running the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic at Stevenson University, so we'll talk to him about the upcoming event as well. And we'll talk to our good friend Bob Quillman, get a state of Division Three hoops from his mindset, talk about his team losing to Benedictine, by the way, his alma mater uh, this, uh, this season or already this season. We'll talk to him about that and what else he sees on the horizon. That's all coming up here on the show tonight. Um, if you, again, if you have any questions for us, please don't hesitate to ask them. You've got your ways of doing it, and we hope you'll uh, take advantage of those uh, as always. Uh, Plenty to talk about uh, as we move forward, and certainly upsets plenty. so uh, we will look forward to hearing what you think uh, along the way. Um, I think that's the long and the short of it for right now. I'm just trying to get this tweet out the door so we can get that taken care of, Um, and we're done so we can focus on other things here tonight. Um, again, Hoopsville National Invitational Classic coming up at Stevenson. We got th- uh, we'll got. we talk more with Gary Stewart coming up. We'll talk about it more in the show as well. Three games on Friday, um, tomorrow, the 21st. We'll have four games on Saturday, plus three more on Sunday. The schedule is jam-packed, as you can probably imagine. Um, lots to, to cover across the bases, as it were. Um, lots of teams... That have, uh, that have made an impact in Division Three, more that hope to be making impacts in Division Three. That's all coming up. We will uh, break it all down. It starts with a 4 o'clock game, Catholic versus Gwinnett Mercy. That is coming up on uh, at 4 o'clock from Stevenson. Uh, that is tomorrow. That starts everything off. Um, we will then – I'm just trying to get to the bracket. Excuse me. Uh, it's somewhere around here. I just got to find it. Sorry about this, everybody. Um disappeared on me. I apologize. It was where I thought it was looking, and it's no longer there. Um, we will get to it. Uh, we have a f- uh, uh, The 6 o'clock game will be Randolph-Macon um, versus Mary Harden-Baylor, I believe. I could be wrong on that. I got to double check that as well. And then 8 o'clock is... Uh, I just have so many games in my head. Uh, 8 o'clock is Stevenson versus Wittenberg, which is certainly a fascinating matchup, to say the least. Um here, i got another way to get to the uh, event I am looking for. Um, Saturday is a 2 o'clock start to things. Um, lots going on at Stevenson, by the way. If you're on your way, plan ahead and get there early. They also are hosting a ECAC Southeast football game um, in an open house. They'll have things plenty. So Friday, Catholic versus Gwen and Mercy at 4. Mary Harn Baylor versus Randolph Megan at 6. Wittenberg versus Stevenson at 8. Saturday, WPI versus Chicago at 2. Purchase versus Cabrini at 4. Quentin Mercy versus Mary Harden Baylor at six. Randolph Macon versus Wittenberg at eight. Sunday will be Chicago versus Stevenson at one. Cabrini versus WPI at three. And Catholic versus Purchase. At five. That's all what we've got coming up. So you can see lots of great games coming up. We're looking forward to it. Gordon Mann, my, uh, Frank Rossi, and Jeff Gamber will be on the call. You may hear my voice occasionally on Friday. On Saturday, it'll be Frank Rossi and myself. We have a new guy joining us on the ranks. Uh, just lined him up, actually, um, today. Uh, uh, Jeff Arnold will be joining us. Uh, he is a Dickinson grad. Looking forward to to having him on the call uh, and then Sunday it'll be Frank and myself doing it Larry Radloff our photographer will be in house as well and we'll enjoy Phil Nagley from uh, Messiah will be doing the writing so plenty to cover um, we mentioned Jeff Burns will be in the house as well the AD for Randolph-Macon men's basketball committee chair we'll do an interview with him we'll interview each individual coach after a game and then each individual coach is part of the Hoopsville Coaches Corner presented by Buffalo Wild Wings that's all coming up at the Hoopsville Classic if you want to go each day is seven dollars um, to get into a, in, to get into all the games for that day, or you can buy the pack for $15 and get into games all three days. Uh, if you want to buy tickets ahead of time, though at this point in time, probably irrelevant, but you can go to GoMustangSports.com. Go to the men's basketball page, and you'll find a Hoopsville link. Uh, you'll be able to get there from there. Um, you can also uh, just show up and buy tickets when you arrive. Believe it or not, they'll also have some T-shirts available to purchase. Uh, You're welcome to do so. Uh, I believe it's like a, I want to say it's going to be $10 uh, for a shirt, I believe. Um, And so on and so forth. So please take advantage. We'd love to have you. Third annual, obviously biggest. Getting a little bit of local attention here in in Maryland for a change, which is nice to see. Uh, I actually talked to some media today, and there's been other media that have been um, covering the event. So we're looking forward to having that. Uh, And looking forward to everybody being involved once again. And we're still looking for teams for next year, trying to line teams up. I don't want to jinx anything, so we won't mention who we already have lined up. But put it this way, another group of of really good teams, including some top 10s this year. So um, looking forward once again to having another successful one next year as well. Um, Let's talk about the top 25 and the craziness, uh, just a little bit of the craziness, at least on the men's side of things. Uh, Whitewater starts off the season with a five point loss to Cardinal Stritch, but let's be honest, that's not a bad loss. Game was at home certainly, but Cardinal Stritch is no 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 slouch in any way, shape, or form. NAIA team, scholarships, et cetera. So uh a solid game there. And then they win. Uh Whitewater does on the road at hope, uh, in a midweek game. Certainly um not the best you could say, but certainly impressive. Um yeah, uh, you know, it may, it, what does it say? Does that say Whitewater isn't as good as we thought? Well, let's be honest. We probably thought they weren't as good as everyone thought they were with the amount they lost. But this also might mean Hope is better than everybody anticipated with a coaching change and some turmoil in the off season, You know, something to keep an eye on. We'll certainly look at that. So Whitewater is one and one, one and zero in Division Three. They are at North Central this weekend, taking on Bluffton and then Trinity International a non-Division three team. Probably the ex- start we expected from Whitewater. Amherst off to a 1-0 and start after beating Anna Maria, though it was probably a tighter game than most people thought. They take on Johnson State in a 2-beat announced uh, team on Saturday. Uh, Augustana off to a 2-0 and start. No surprises there except maybe how tight the Albion game was at Mount St. Joseph. Uh, they took care of Mount St. Joseph rather easily. Illinois Wesley, we'll talk to Bob Quillman coming up here. Lost to Benedictine, 61-60 to start the season. They're now uh gonna be playing at Illinois College and we'll take on Buena Vista here coming up here tomorrow that one is certainly to be uh an interesting one Williams off to an 0-2 start let's be honest they aren't a number five team in the country why they were voted so I don't know probably completely out of um uh, you know respect I guess for a program but come on did anybody really expect this team to be number five in the country Uh, Lose to Southern Vermont for the second time, second straight year. Then they lose to Oleana State. Score is almost identical, 75-68 to Southern Vermont, 74-68 to Oleana State. They'll take on Johnson State at home. All these games at home, by the way, we should also point out. Then they're on the road against Wesleyan. Interestingly, of course, Wesleyan, not a conference game, but it is a a little three game. Um, So the Wesleyan game, not technically a conference game. So, Interesting start here. We'll keep an eye on the Eves. Just how many games will they lose? Calvin off to a 1-0 start. No surprise there, beating Anderson. Uh, Stevens Point already lost their first game against St. Olaf. They beat St. John's but lost to St. Olaf by one. Probably not that much. I I don't know what to read into that. They will take on Hope here on Saturday. Good gauge to see the difference between teams here with Whitewater. Uh, Albertus Magnus already takes its first loss of the season. It took it to Richard Stockton last Saturday. Uh, Sunday, Sunday should say eighty four seventy five in a game that I heard was ugly, not well, maybe not well officiated, but certainly not well controlled by officials. No good reports from what I heard out of that game at Richard Stockton for behavior. Um, Rhodes and Hendricks. Uh, let's see. Uh, wash U got wins over Rhodes and Hendricks. They'll take on Eau Claire. Uh, at Wheaton uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, Worcester got a big win over Cabrini, but they've got a big game coming up against Mount Union here tomorrow before then taking on St. Vincent on Saturday. Of course, at home for both games, big game for Mount Union. Um, I think a Mount Union program that's probably improving and more than people realize of course, uh, how good are Worcester in this scenario? They beat Cabrini by 17. What's it say about Cabrini? Of course, that game was on the road for Cabrini. Cabrini, remember, knocked off Worcester in the NCAA tournament two years ago at Worcester. Uh, we'll see Cabrini at the Hoopsville Classic. You know, Cabrini with some turmoil, lost some good players, certainly has Aaron Walton Moss back, but new head coach, though he's certainly with the program before but you know, what, what What does that have to say? Randolph-Macon on the men's side uh, beats Mary Washington in an interesting close game uh, on the road, then loses to Christopher Newport in overtime on the road. Uh, we will see them at the Hoopsville Classic, Mary Harden-Baylor and Wittenberg on the roster for them. Yellow Jackets sometimes a little slow to start. Um, we'll see how far they can go here. I think The Wittenberg game, we'll get to them in a bit. Wittenberg lost to Oberlin and Capital already this season. They'll take on Stevenson tomorrow. And Randolph-Macon may have an easier opponent in Wittenberg than you expect, but anything's possible. Chris, question is Mary Harden-Baylor in that matchup tomorrow night. WPI, who will also be at the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic, beats RPI and Curry. No surprise there. St. Thomas off to a 1-0 start with a win over Eau Claire. Probably no surprise there. Dickinson off to a 2-0 start. They played Valley Forge and Salisbury. Nothing really challenging there. They'll take on Haverford and Gettysburg. Going through this because it's just interesting. Emory 1-0 with a win over Oglethorpe, and it wasn't even close. Oglethorpe certainly not going to be the team they were last year. Uh, MIT off to a good good start for sure. Uh, They get a win over Gordon... Um, and they got Newbury and Tufts ahead this weekend. Uh, Whitworth off to a one and zero start with a win over DeUville. No surprise there. Wheaton, Illinois, one and one, a loss to Defiance. Not sure what to think of Wheaton there uh, with a loss to Defiance, but a win over Franklin in easy fashion. Virginia Wesleyan two and zero. No surprise there, though the win over Apprentice School certainly a good one. Cabrini, we talked about one and one. They got purchased coming up here at the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic on Saturday before playing WPI on Sunday. Scranton, two and one, losing to Misericordia. They are injured. That is the problem. Their main guy, Ross Danzig, is out with an injury right now. They lost to Misericordia 49 44. They take on Elizabethtown in conference play, if you can believe it, on Saturday. It's the earliest the landmark starting. That might have been a readjusted date for all I know. Then they take on Cabrini before Juniata and Merchant Marine for the conference action. Uh, Scranton, and that's all they play before we see them in Vegas. Scranton hopefully going to mend through some injuries here. Texas-Dallas 1-0, no real surprise there. Bapson 2-1, they took a loss to Bates. That's maybe not the Bapson everyone expected to see there with a loss to Bates. Easy win over Salve Regina, easy win over LaSalle. Um, Christopher Newport one and as we mentioned with a win over Randolph making and, Chris- and center off to a two and start so really some a lot of ups and downs there on the men's side of the top twenty five to be sure I'm not really I, I don't know how to look into that to be honest with you it's it's a tough read on the women's side some quick notes FDU Florham still undefeated so is Amherst Thomas Moore hasn't even played a game yet they'll play their first one. Um in against Maryville coming up and then center this weekend, all those games at center tops off to a three and O start. How about this? I love how the NESCAC starts. It only has two weeks of practice. Men tend to be really slow at starting up the women, handful of teams have already played three games this season, which is just in my mind, pretty surprising three games for Oshkosh all wins for them as well. Uh, uh, Hope uh, off to a one and O start with a big win. I mean, it's Finlandia. It wasn't that much of a challenge um Whitman is a surprise I think on the women's side 0-2 start played games at Wilmington Ohio uh, lost to Geneseo State by 12 lost to Eastern Mennonite by three not sure I'll freely admit not sure what's going on with Michelle Ferenc's team if if they lost more than we thought or maybe people overranked them or they're dealing with something we're not sure about they play Rutgers Newark at home for then trap uh, this weekend, Rutgers-Newark taking a heck of a road trip, huh? Um, and then they're on the road at Colorado College against Iowa Wesleyan and Colorado College. Interesting couple of weeks here coming up before they then play four games against non-Division three teams. Uh, Scranton off that two 2-0 starter, as we mentioned. DePaul. Uh, Hasn't even played a game yet. They take on Wisconsin Lutheran tomorrow night to start the season. Wash U off to a 1-0 start. 2-0 start from Montclair State. No surprise there. St. Thomas off to a 2-0 start. Really no surprise there. Texas Tyler 1-0. Not sure about Whitewater. I think they're off to a 2-0 start. Uh, NYU 3-0 start. Um, Baldwin Wallace off to an 0-1 start with a surprise loss to Case Western Reserve. Uh 3-0 start for Williams. There's that other NESCAC team with a 3-0 start. 1-2 for Christopher Newport. I was talking to somebody today about Christopher Newport. Maybe they are way overranked here. Um, they lost to Bridgewater 61-59. They had lost to Roanoke earlier 74-62. Their win against Guilford 73-61. Maybe the captains on the women's side, a little too overranked. Wheaton, Illinois, off to a 2-0 start on the women's side. 2-1 for the Nor'easters of New England as Tufts beat them. That's a good game early for those two teams, Rhodes 2-0, uh, Bowden 2-1. They lost to Roger Williams at the Maine Maritime Academy tip-off. A little surprise there, to say the least. Uh, 3-0 start from St. Mary's of Minnesota, and Whitworth a 1-0 start, and 0-2 for the Messiah Falcons in women's basketball. So both top 25s, the, obviously not a new poll this week. We'll get one next week before Thanksgiving. A lot of questions for top 25 voters, to say the least. On these two polls. So we'll see how this all transpires. I mean, it's 100 questions you can ask about all that. You're not going to get a lot of answers. It's why we really don't come out with a top 25 anymore in that first after the first week weekend. Um, More to digest. But I, you know, certainly 60 players or 60 teams getting votes in the top 25 on the men's side in preseason already told you enough about how people were thinking about this both both polls had plenty of teams getting first place votes again telling you plenty that people are trying to figure out let's see what happens here on the rest of the way but already early on we're not getting a lot of answers still plenty of questions out there on the top 25 on the men's and women's side if you haven't got any questions for us again uh hashtag hoopsville uh on twitter or uh or at d3 hoopsville of course um Mount Union and Worcester, of course, we talked about that. Purple Raiders reminding us that. I think that's gonna that's a game to watch tomorrow for sure, uh, Mount Union versus Worcester. Of course, Mount Union football team back in the playoffs certainly will have plenty of attention. But in basketball, uh, Mount Union-Worcester is a game to keep an eye on, to say the least. Um, Caltech, by the way, taking on George Fox t- uh, tomorrow. Well, that, that, that should be interesting. I'll Keep an eye on that just in case um and so on and so forth so lots to talk about tonight we're trying to figure things out in in the world of division three men's and women's basketball i think the biggest thing to take away also is look at how many games didn't get played with the 15th being on a saturday which means if you're going to travel for anything you're not getting home till monday because you're if you're going to a tournament you're playing saturday sunday you can't really travel to go to one game that's just not going to happen Fascinating, just a position. Some teams, like those NESCAC teams I pointed out, and a couple others, starting with three games already. Other teams have barely haven't even played a game. This fifteenth date is 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 really interesting because now there. Remember, there used to be legislation. I think it was the Friday before Thanksgiving that was the start of the season, no matter the date. And then it went to the fifteenth. Now there's legislation being considered that it would be if the fifteenth fell on a Saturday, I think it's Saturday, Sunday, maybe Monday. I'm not positive, but I think you could start the season the Friday beforehand. So in this case, it would have been the 14th. Maybe that's worth looking into. It's basically, I mean, basically that legislation is saying the Friday before Thanksgiving. Is essentially what they're saying. What, what what they're because if you think about how the calendar works, once the fifteenth tips into a Monday or Tuesday of the week, then Thanksgiving's still not for a full another week away. I I think it's going to be looked into as being passed because you're now in this scenario where some teams haven't played a game. Stevenson women's basketball, who I cover uh, and work for, um, on contractually, you know, women's basketball played their first game on Tuesday, um. You know, a lot of teams haven't really played games because they can't find a lot of good dates. What is interesting though is it truncates the off season or the season Or the, I hate saying that the non conference season because there's not a lot of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. So you're either going to jam more games into into December than you normally would, or you're finding a little bit more games to play over the Christmas holiday than you normally would, or you're not playing your 25 games. So I think this is an interesting test this year. Of exactly what's going to happen with this 15th date. Because remember, when the legislation passed about the 15th being the start date, I think it was back on a, you know, our schedules were on Tuesday starts, I think. We weren't looking, um, you know, we basically had two full weekends before um, the major holidays. And so... Now they're looking at it going, eh, maybe that wasn't such a bright idea. Do we go back to the Friday before Thanksgiving, only get one major weekend? Or I should say a Friday, two weeks before Thanksgiving. I misspoke earlier. Two weeks before Thanksgiving would be the Friday start to the season. Maybe that's something they need to consider because that gets you two weekends in before the Thanksgiving break, spreads things out, Force it doesn't force uh, conference schedules to start so early. Conference schedules for starters are starting way too early way too early. Um, so I, I think this is this is worth looking into and giving people a little bit more time to be sure. Uh, we're gonna take a break when we come back. We're gonna talk to Mount Union women's basketball coach uh, Dan Benjamin, talk about his team certainly, and talk about how uh, everything is going with Lauren Hill and still how much has happened since that game on the second, which feels like yesterday, but certainly wasn't nearly three weeks ago, obviously. Uh, that is all coming up here on the show. Uh, we'll also talk to Bob Quillman, our good friend from the Midwest, of course living in Texas, but he has his pulse on Division Three as much as anybody else. We'll get his reactions to the early start to the season. Also talk to Gary Stewart from Stevenson Men's Basketball, talk about Stevenson, also talk about the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic. And we'll talk to Scranton's interim women's basketball coach, Deanna Klingsman, about her team and getting the job somewhat last minute on an interim basis when uh, Mike Strong stepped down. That's all coming up here on the show. If you want to join us on Twitter, at D3 hoops or hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You know the deal. We'll look forward to hearing back from you here shortly. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more Hoopsville uh, and plenty more to cover right here on Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches.
1: I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At uh, a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete
2: individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person.
1: Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue.
3: By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Of course, one of the big stories that that garnered plenty of attention throughout Division Three, throughout the NCAA, and around the country was the story of Lauren Hill uh, of the Mount Saint Joe, and 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 her battle against a cancer that is certainly debilitating and and horrific. But then her courage and certainly her um, passion for the game, her passion for life, her passion to do something even if she can't be around to see it fulfilled. And it, it has been an incredible story. If you joined us for Hoopsville last week, you heard us talk to Brad Johansson, who helped tell her story, then broadcast the game, and he certainly had some incredible points of view on all of it. Well, we finally uh, were able to um, find time for her head coach to join us, and Dan Benjamin now joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Sir, you've been a popular man around the country, and I certainly enjoy, appreciate you coming on and joining us here tonight. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, how are you guys doing? the The spotlight really hasn't gone that far away. It's still kind of on you and and Lauren. How are you guys as a team doing?
4: We're doing well. Um, you know, we're a typical D three school. A lot of kids have to uh, attend school, obviously, and then they work jobs. Yep. And do various things and do their schoolwork, but uh, we're we're tighten it family group right now, and, and a lot of it is due to Lauren. It started last year, and uh, but we're doing well. We're hanging in there. we got our second game tomorrow at 6 o'clock up in the Cleveland area, and yep. then we'll play a third one on Saturday.
0: Um, certainly, uh, there's been a long gap now. You, you were only supposed to have a week off between games. You've had a long <laughs> time. How, mo- how difficult was it to kind of get ramped up a little bit earlier for a game that certainly had plenty of attention to it and then kind of get the team back focused for a game here? Friday uh, at, at Baldwin-Wallace?
4: Well, obviously that first game we didn't really need to do anything. Me and my staff just kind of stepped back and managed the girls. And, uh, and I think that's kind of going to be the story for the season. When uh, we sat down in August and I told my team that uh, Lauren's diagnosis was uh, terminal and we started to talk and we sat in the locker room and Lauren wasn't there at that point on a Sunday and uh, we had made up our mind and we were committed to playing for 22 and uh, the team has really bought into becoming a team and a family and having great chemistry and they know they get it and the lessons lauren has taught them has been remarkable to understand that you never give up and that you compete for every moment for every second for every day
0: yeah it's an incredible i mean brad Andrew was telling us uh, uh, some of the you know talking to some players who said you know Occasionally I didn't listen to the coach. Occasionally I took a playoff. Sometimes I didn't go to class if I wasn't really feeling it. Everything's changed. I don't do that anymore. That's not how I can be. That, that's a powerful message that a, a freshman, an 18-, 19-year-old is now delivering to the world.
4: Absolutely. It's, you know uh, She's every coach's dream, and, and then some. She has taught our team not only how to live, but what basketball and school is all about and what their life is all about. And she has pushed about three or four of my upper to understand that hey, I can't take a day off, you know. So what if I got to complain about I don't feel well today? They just look at the Lauren and they understand what she's going through, and she's happy to be there. She shows up when she can with a smile on her face. She just gets excited about being around us. But she has she's made quite a few of our girls uh, mature rather quickly.
0: Um, of course, you're an alum of the school. You certainly know the school well. You're in your third season coaching the team. And this might be somewhat redundant of a question, but have you ever seen a player have this kind of impact? Have you ever been around a player even half the impact that that Lauren Hill has had, not only on your team, school, community, nationwide, whatever?
4: No, I have not. To be honest with you, Dave. You know, I try to. I got a son, seventeen, and a daughter, nineteen, and I tried to explain to them. Uh, in my lifetime, the last time i seen things like this or read anything, it was uh, Brian song
0: mm. and John
4: Cappelletti's story. Yeah. And uh, ironically, he happened to wear number 22 at Penn State. Yeah. But the, you know, the impact that this young lady has made across the United States and the world is uh, more than what I expected to really truly happen. But I'm so excited for her that the awareness has got out there and people understand that DIPG is a, is a disease that we got to raise some money for research and Hopefully, we can find a cure for it one day.
0: Um, she still practicing when she can? She has not practiced in uh, almost two weeks now from
4: Saturday here. Okay. and uh, She'll show up. She'll show up, and, she, you know, dad will tell me or mom will tell me, she just wants to be around the team, Coach. Mm-hmm. That's all she wants to do. And, and what an incredible lesson right there. Here's a mm-hmm. girl who has the passion to be around a sport and her teammates. You know, and I've been coaching 25 years various sports. And kids will take plays off. Kids will take days off. And I'm hoping they're hearing her message that she wishes she could be playing every play.
0: Is she going to travel with you guys or unable we are not sure yet. As we head out tomorrow
4: morning, Mom and Dad said they will let me know uh, as soon as they can. And uh, and I know there's a lot of attention with that, and oh, sure. uh, we'll, alert, we'll alert the media when we can, and uh, <laughs> we'll do the right things. You know, it's it's tough because at Division three school, we haven't had this problem. and sure. uh, what a great problem to have, but uh, more remarkable to have such a beautiful young lady in in, in my life and in my players' lives
0: yeah I was gonna say the impact that she's had is certainly obvious. what's been what's the takeaway at the school level? i mean this this kind of happened. she she calls you, says coach, I'm coming. Also, next thing you know, she's dealing with with this challenge. and then you know this conversation you're having with Hiram's coach about moving the game and seeing if you can there was no national scope to that. There was no you know in, in intent that this was what would happen. It just happened. Um. What's been the takeaway at the college?
4: Well, it's. Uh, I can't thank uh, our institution enough, Dave, but more importantly I can't thank my AD enough for letting me and my staff and my program do it the right way. Mm. I told him what was coming down the pike and uh, what we were about to do, and he let us take it and run with it, so to speak, and uh, we did. and I think we did a nice job handling it and handling the situation. We wanted this to be about Lauren and Lauren's story. And about uh, making awareness of DIPG and, and letting everybody know there's a foundation out there called The Cure Starts Now. Yep. And you can donate there. And then and, and everything just began to snowball. And uh, I think at our level, it's been eye-opening. And I think the institution and a lot of people on that institution have done a great job helping us keep this awareness alive.
0: I uh, just saw a Czech presentation just the other day. Um, I assume you were on hand. What was What was the significance?
4: it was uh for us it was the t-shirts we sold mm. which uh which our players and Lauren put together which is obviously a great thing to do as a uh program and a uh staff to, to watch your girls bond doing that. And then it was the ticket sales. And we raised about $58,000 wow. in those two items alone, which is
3: great because
4: I think it ended up putting Lauren at that point in time close to 300000 Now at this point, I know she's over 300000 in donations to the Cure Starts Now.
0: That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's up there with the ALS uh, Ice Bucket Challenge significance in the sense of how much money's been raised that normally is not raised. Um and of course all from her just wanting to play a game. Did you be honest, did you think did you think telling Brad Johansson this story and, and having the significance of it happen would have any kind of impact that it has had?
4: Not at the beginning, but as we started going, uh and I have only watched two of the stories put out there and I'll apologize to everybody else who helped tell the story, but uh, obviously I watched Brad's piece. Yeah. Uh, which was very tough for me and emotional for me to watch, and uh, and then I watched CBS in the morning. One day I woke up to it. Ironically, on a mm. Monday morning, ready to go to practice, and uh, you know, once I felt that Brad got the story out there, and I, I was out with my nephews, one of my coaches, and we were eating dinner, and my phone just started blowing up mm. through Twitter. Through uh, voicemails, through text messages, I had to charge it three times, and I started scratching my head. And I looked at my nephew. I said, "This thing is going to go big." And then, uh, then of course, Chris Mack tweeted and uh, texted me as well and said, "Hey, we're here if you guys need us." And then it just started snowballing. And uh, from there on, we let Lauren make her decision on where she wanted to hold this game. And I think she made the right decision in making the awareness piece even bigger by moving it to the Centa Center.
0: I think it's incredible, your team. I mean, this is a freshman who comes in. Normally the freshman is low on the totem pole. You know, you got to get used to college play here. You know, we're the seniors, we're the juniors. We've been here. We've been with Coach Benjamin. It says a lot about your team, a lot about your players who are more than willing to step aside, not only to give Lauren the spotlight, but understand the significance. I have a feeling that wasn't that hard of a conversation to have in the locker room.
4: Not at all. Not at all. Ever since last October... She was telling us she was committed to us on her 18th birthday. She mm. came to a few games in November, and uh, our girls got to, to meet her, and we shook her hand in the stands. And uh, she's a special person. When you meet her and, and see her, what you see on TV, that's her 100%. And, uh, you know, for our team it was great because, like I said, it built that chemistry right away. Yeah. But uh, You know, it, it's been a great ride already for me as a coach. It's my first year as a head, because I just kind of step aside and let these girls do what they're supposed to do. And They've really done a great job
0: becoming a family. I was going to say, first year as head coach, certainly a heck of a way to start your uh, your head coaching. I know you've been there for a few years outside of that. Uh, you're called Coach Bear. You gave a great bear hug to her um, at the beginning of the game. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of curious, though. I mean, obviously you had the play drawn up. It was well executed. The the last play was certainly an incredible moment as well. Uh, I have a feeling you you caved to some peer pressure from the stands, 10,000 people calling for Lauren. <laughs> Ah, uh, smart move, if I do say so. But I'm kind of curious from your vantage point because, by the way, great win, sixty-six fifty-five over Hiram. It was a well played game by your team, certainly. What was you, what was your what did you spot during the game? What did you see maybe during the game that maybe not everybody else saw that maybe stands out to you that will maybe stand out for a long time to come?
4: Well, obviously, you know, there's a couple things. Her being announced. Mm. Uh, mm. Gave me a lot of goosebumps knowing that we were going to help this young lady's dream come true. And then watching her make that first basket was pretty incredible. That was very special. And then then watching her teammates hug her and high-five her and the tears coming from our players, because they'd known for days how hard they wanted to make this happen for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and then obviously you get caught up in the game a little bit, and it's it's so funny because everybody, uh, you know, who's not close to us, Kept forgetting about the game. We had a game, and it does count against our record.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but,
4: <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, Lauren and her teammates wouldn't let me forget that all the time during practice. Like, coach, we got a game to get ready for, and so we kept plugging along. And you know, I'm very proud of my girls. And I, you know, Dave, I tell them every day when practice ends, the last words they're going to hear out of my mouth is, "I love you." And I tell them that as we leave, and every one of them respond. And, and you know, we just become a nice, tight knit family. And they know at the end of the day, win or lose, I'm going to love them. My staff's going to love them. We're going to coach them and do our best with them.
0: Well, certainly a great game. Let's talk about your team just a little bit. Don't want to overshadow them in any way. Uh, a team that's it's struggled over the last few years, certainly 3-22 and 22 of the last two seasons. Um, you know, you, you battle in, in a tough conference in the ACAC. That, you know, having Lauren on the team is certainly a nice boost and certainly helps. You've got a young team for all intensive purposes. You have two seniors on the team, but of course. Um, Brooke Molzer uh, out with an injury, so really it's Katie Moss. Um, Tell us a little bit about the rest of this team and the the team that obviously will be the the ones competing, hopefully for for some conference glory if possible.
4: Well, we're hoping we can keep improving, but, uh, you know, it's tough. Katie Moss came back to us this year after being gone for uh, three of her years. I think she played her freshman year. So we welcomed her back, and actually Katie's hurt right now with a Mm. stress fracture. And Brooke, uh, my heart goes out to Brooke, this young lady – you talk about a competitor. You talk about a another beautiful young lady. She, in her sophomore year, broke her ankle in a game, mm. and uh, we didn't think she was coming back her junior year. She had a plate and, I think, six screws put in it. Jeez. And she she fought like heck to come back her junior year and compete very nicely for us. She was a five, seven forward, and she'll go in and play the post as well. And mm. then it really broke our heart that Friday before – the week before the game, she uh, tore her ACL, and she's getting ready to have surgery next Tuesday. So, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to her and her family. What a beautiful young lady she is, though. And she actually is a leader on our team, even though she's not going to see the floor. She steps up a lot. She's actually guided Tara and, and a couple other girls on our team. Mayor Hartfield has stepped up, and the Webb sisters have stepped up. And we got another girl who's starting for us, Taylor Brown, who came off of a... She blew her knee out last year in practice and the year before she blew her other knee out in high school. So, you know, we have some banged-up kids on our team, and that's why I really love them and I'm proud of them because they have fought through these things, and there's no doubt Lauren has helped them through some of those things they've gone through.
0: You'll take on Bethany at Baldwin-Wallace on Friday, tomorrow. Uh, you'll then take on Buffalo State, who hopefully will be there. I know everything has been adjusted for them accordingly. Um, they'll actually play Saturday, Sunday. Um, I know Ohio's gotten socked, but so is Buffalo, obviously. But by all stories, uh, you guys—if you got—how do you get the team focused on this one? And and what do you expect from Bethany? And what do you expect from Buffalo State?
4: Well, I wish I could tell you about Bethany. I just learned today that they had switched the schedule. Yeah. And uh, we don't have any film on them, but from what I can see on the statistics and that, they got a transfer in from Slippery Rock. I think she's a pretty good shooter at guard. Uh, I think they got three really good guards that can push the ball off the floor, and uh, they shoot the ball real well. They'll take a lot of threes. Uh, we're hoping we can maintain them. And uh, you know, at this point, it's a second game. I want my girls just to compete. Sure, I know we're going to worry about the score, but I'm more worried about managing my players and that they keep their heads on straight and playing the game no matter what's going on and always competing. Buffalo State. Uh, I don't know a whole lot on them. I think they got a couple good players as well I think they have one outside shooter that's pretty solid but I think they also have one post player so for us you know without giving anything away going against Bethany on Friday night we're hoping that uh, we can play our game and stay focused on our game we have a nice little high low inside out game with us offensively and so hopefully we can stay focused and get that rolling tomorrow night at six o'clock
0: and what do you think of the conference this year? Transylvania certainly played well in the last few years, picked to win it again, even with a new coach. What What do you think of the HCAC this year? And and do you think you guys can compete?
4: Well, we're hoping to compete in the top four or five of our conference. But, uh, you know, at D3, when you have injuries and things of that nature, as you go through the season, that becomes a, uh, a piece of the puzzle you have to figure out. Uh, Transy certainly is good. They've always been good. And I know they got a new head coach, but I know she's going to do a nice job with them. But I think Franklin's another sleeper in our conference. They have a new head coach, but they have a nucleus of some good players. They have a 6-3 uh, transfer back for her second year from Butler University. And I know defiance is always going to be tough. and mm. Bluffton's always a tough rival for us. You know, Manchester, they're scrappy. So, we're, you know, we're, we're going to have our work cut out for us. But... The, our thing's got to be focused on us and what can we do, or what are our capabilities, and you know, put these girls in positions to have an opportunity to be successful.
0: Uh, not to be morbid in, in 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 that sense, but have has there been conversations about the inevitable and and how you guys plan to handle it?
4: There it has. It's it's been tough for me. Um, you know, I've had some things go on in my life over the last seven months that probably I think prepared me for this whole situation. And, you know, I can't thank God enough for giving me the opportunity to to cross paths with Lauren and her family. But uh, more importantly, you know, putting this angel in front of me and my team, and uh, we've had discussions, and uh, you know, we've got some great support on the campus, and we're going to continue to use that support throughout this journey, and we're going to continue to use our thoughts and prayers, and uh, hopefully, as I call it, the the, the basketball antidote for uh, Lauren coming to the gym every day just to get her mm. to come be around us. It's been a great, great uh, drug, if you will, for her because that's her passion. So we're hoping we can use that to to keep her around with us as long as we can, and just pray to God that she's with us for as long as He'll let us be let, let us have her.
0: Well, Coach, uh, hats off to all involved. Uh, incredible work on you guys to be so selfless, uh, especially Hiram and their team uh, and everybody involved. In everything, Uh, I can say that the idea of getting 22 jerseys was ingenious. We we will have one. I sent my shipping information today. Uh, We will have one behind us from Ohio Wesleyan um, in the studio. We're happy to have that. Uh, We're more than happy to make the donation for that. Um, And so, hats off to everybody involved uh, on a terrific job, including Lauren Hill herself. If you get a chance, please convey that to her for us. We certainly wish you luck this weekend. Uh, get the rust off, obviously, because uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a while since you played, and, and good luck, certainly. As always, we give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in tonight?
4: Well, I appreciate you having me first off, Dave, but uh, I definitely got to thank the NCAA the, You know, for them getting the waiver going and moving the ball rather quickly. I got to thank my institution for the opportunity to be the head coach And I gotta thank Coach Hayes and Hiram for being willing to move the the game to our place and, and being a part of something special. You know, and there's no doubt my heart goes out to Lauren and her family. I've made a special friendship with them, and, you know, like I said, I'm blessed to be her coach. I appreciate you having me on tonight.
0: Well, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I know you've got uh, requests up the wazoo. By the way, we should mention Lauren Hill, uh, Glamour Magazine, um, Miss Ohio pick, which was pretty impressive yesterday. Um, But thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, Good luck this weekend, as I said, and uh, stay in touch if you don't mind. I sure will. Thanks, Dave. All right, take care. Dan Benjamin joining us from Mount St. Joseph uh, in Ohio. We certainly appreciate him taking the time, head coach for Mount St. Joseph Lions, and of course, Lauren Hills, head coach as well. Terrific job again by everybody involved there. We will keep abreast of that. As we said, number 22 jersey will be uh, arriving here whenever they get it shipped to us. we, We wait patiently for it. It will be hung out behind us. As you can see, we're still decorating the studio just a little bit. We will find a prominent and permanent place for it in our studios if you want anything you want to see behind us we heard heard from a few people who are sending us some stuff please send it along and we will put it in our studios behind us still some work to be done on the studio to be sure and uh, it will work be a work in progress for the next few weeks um but again thank you to dan benjamin for joining us here on the show going to take another break when we come back we're going to switch gears talk men's basketball with our good friend bob quillman um, give his take on the state of Division Three as we get off and running. Here you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Broadcasters. Don't forget to join us on Twitter at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, and of course on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this.
3: I used to never really talk ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
2: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness.
1: Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, It's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major.
3: Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus.
1: Division III in athletics, you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville. Sorry. I'm trying something new tech, uh, technique-wise, and it's just not working as well as I'd hope. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you want to interact with us, join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com, and join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Going to go back to the Hoopsville hotline, uh, continue the show along as it were, and bring in one of our good friends, and certainly uh, d 3 Uh, basketball connoisseur, Bob Quillman from IWUhoops.com. Bob, welcome to Hoopsville for the first time this season, sir. Oh, hold on, i got to unmute you. Let me try that again. There we go. Go ahead.
5: Hey, I appreciate it for having me on, David. How are you? Welcome to the new season, my friend.
0: Thank you, my friend. Uh, Certainly uh, an exciting season already underway. Quickly, to make the transition a little bit less uh, abrupt, uh, I'm sure you have been following the Lauren Hill story as much uh, as any other Division 3 fan or anybody else around the country. Your thoughts I'd just love to hear um, your thoughts on the on the story especially the impact on Division 3.
5: Yeah, it's hard to to not pay a lot of attention to the story. I mean, you just kind of get into her her character and what Mount St. Joe has done around this and you know, you can't help for but feel for her and her family and, and the program, and I just think the way that everyone has handled this has been really special. And it's just, it's one of those stories that makes you feel proud to be a Division Three fan. And uh, yeah, but you know, overall, just a really, really tough thing to watch play out. I
0: think. Yeah, certainly, and nice to see some positive uh, headlines too for Division Three. I'll say, I thought it was a decent game being played uh, there at the Xavier Center. Um, now let's 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 transition a little bit here. Um, season underway, a little bit of a herky jerky start to the season. I, I think I talked about it early on. Don't know if you caught it, but you know, this fifteenth falling on a Saturday certainly makes for a very odd start to the season for everybody involved. Um, almost feels like a slow start, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, and adding to that, this is a season where who the heck knows who the best five or ten teams in the country are or yeah. 25 for that matter. So I mean you've just got results right now that you have no idea when when you know one team beats another if it's really an upset or if the other team is just better or mm-hmm. you know it's just a really confusing season so far.
0: You used to vote in the top 25. you're probably thankfully not voting in the top 25 right now uh, or I shouldn't say that I shouldn't assume that you're, you're in Texas now. I, Pat could have wrangled you in for all I know. <laughs> um but if you were voting would you have a clue i joked i wanted to start at number 10
5: i, I would not have a clue I, I i tell you that you know the the two teams that, that i would be zeroing in on at the top of my ballot would be Augustana from the cciw who returns literally their whole team from a, a good team last year and and really doesn't have any holes you know they have good guard play they have good post play they're they're big and and whitewater and i know whitewater lost to cardinal Stritch, but cardinal Stritch is a good nai team and cardinal Stritch was playing about game five and whitewater was playing game one and yeah um so i mean augustana whitewater would be at the top of my ballot and after that i mean i i have no idea who i'd be ranking three four five six and seven
0: and when you say augustana and, and... I mean, I had this conversation a couple weeks before I voted with somebody on the top 25 um, chat boards where I said, listen, I don't know if I can go Augustana top five right now. Ironically, I put them top five because, as you point out, I don't know who else to put there, and they certainly deserved it. They bring everybody back. I get that. But does it ever feel like sometimes there are certain teams that just never end up living up to what you expect? And Augustana is that team for me. Am I missing something with this squad?
5: You've—you, uh, August—one of those teams that has burned you in the poll, Dave. I, <laughs> I feel your pain. When I used to vote, I—I I had a few of those myself. But when you just look at things objectively this year, and and not focus on past poll voting pain that you have suffered, I—I <laughs> uh, I, I, I still feel like Augustana is—is—is is, is an elite team, and, and heck, they went out and beat a Missouri Valley Conference team. Granted, Bradley stinks, and granted it was an exhibition, and granted Bradley's <laughs> point guard didn't play. There's a lot uh, of granites in there, Bob. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm an Illinois Wesleyan guy, but I sure. do have to say that Augustana's performance at Bradley was really impressive. And um, they're just they're, – they're just, they are just—they have no holes right now, and I think they're, they're a team that's going to be in this thing for the long haul.
0: Um, speaking of the season C- – a w in some senses um you know you you do have the challenge of uh, augustana probably being the top dog illinois wesleyan got a vote in the top 25 for number one i think a little surprising they go and lose to benedictine what do we read into that i mean again a lot of questions but do you even yeah, know what I to think- read into that
5: no, not really. And I watched the game, you know, I watched it and, and, and some combination of Benedictine is a pretty solid basketball team that returns a lot of guys. It was at Benedictine. Illinois Wesleyan has some new faces out there at the forward spots and, and, uh, you know, in their front court, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Their front court, um, Illinois Wesleyan didn't play particularly well and didn't make a lot of good decisions down the stretch. And, um, I have no idea what to make of it if Illinois Wesleyan is just not as good as you know maybe we think they are or it was a bad loss, but um, yeah, no clue what to make of that
0: game. What do you think of the conference? Uh, Wheaton even takes an interesting loss to start the season. Uh, Carthage could be lurking. you know, we had what two years ago where the top was really good, the bottom was really bad, or that was last year, I don't remember which. Um, you most years it's top pretty good. The middle is really nice. You got a couple teams that maybe you are struggling. What do you make of the CCIW this season?
5: I think the difference is the bottom is is moving up. So it's going gone through several years now of North Park being really bad and Milliken yeah. being really bad. And Matt Nadelhoffer is doing an awesome job at uh, at Milliken and building that up. Um, and, and I think North Park is going to get better this year. Now they don't have a lot of size, so I think the bottom is getting better. Um, you know, the top, I don't know. You, you've had lots of Final Four teams in, in the CCIW over the course of the last 15 years or so, and um, I think Augustine is that caliber team. Um, Illinois Wesleyan has questions. Wheaton has a lot of questions. You know, they're playing a lot of new guys. Uh, the middle of the conference, Elmhurst and Carthage and North Central, in that group, um, they all seem like they're solid, not great. And so uh, it's the, the, the league is the league, you know. It's it, it's always a really good conference, and um, I'd say it's about on par with where it always is.
0: Um, of course, top one of the top five leagues in the country, UAA. Another one I know you keep your eye on the UAA, thanks to Chicago, and your you know you certainly know Mike McGrath as well as I do, if not better. Uh, I'll see Mike here. Actually, he's been texting me during the show. Uh, they've arrived safely in the Baltimore area for the Hoopsville Classic. They're picked to go number one in the UAA. Wash U. Everyone thinks is going to have a little bit of a down year by their standards. Um, Emory could certainly be in the hunt. Is this a year Chicago needs to take advantage of?
5: Yeah, I think Chicago has a good chance of winning that league as anyone. You know they've got a really great player in Jordan Smith, and uh, they have several other good guys uh, around him. But I think Chicago is as much the favorite in the UAA as anyone. Now, Wash U, I mean, look, WashU doesn't have bad years. Uh, Mark Edwards is a is a reloader, not a rebuilder. And he's got Matt Paluki, and he's got Nick Burt, and he's got other guys like Fatoki and those guys. And I can't see Wash U going into the final week of the season um, separated from the, the leader by more than a game or two. So uh, I think Wash U is going to be really good, and I think Chicago – has a chance to win that league.
0: Um, when you look at the landscape, you, you talk about the top. You know, plenty of questions. The top necessarily not being there. A lot more parity in Division Three men's basketball than we've seen in a long time. Certainly, that's not a bad thing. Uh, makes our jobs harder because we don't know who really to, to gauge and who to talk about. But it makes it exciting for fans. Have you seen? Have you? When's the last time you saw parity like this in Division Three men's basketball?
5: Last year.
0: Well, true. I, I meant to say that over the yeah, last couple of so, years here, you
5: know. I think I think we've been in this mode, Dave, for like I don't know, six or seven years, uh, may, maybe a little more. In that, just like last year, so Whitewater won the national championship. Well, we were talking about Stevens Point on this show yeah. all the time, and not Whitewater. And then all of a sudden, Whitewater wins the national championship. If if you go back the last five, six, seven years. Um, it hasn't been identical to this, but it, we've had similar conversations um, about who's number one, who's number five, who's number ten. I think we've the, gone are the days of the the boat Ryan Platteville teams and yeah. and the Kel, Kelso Bennett Stevens Point teams and whoever else some of these powerhouses were that you just always could put number one. I think those days are over, and it's it's really a pretty cool thing if you're a fan because right now, I mean. You know, if you're a Chicago fan, I think you're thinking, "Well, we're as good as the teams that are ranked in the top 10, and we're not ranked." And, and you know, same with like a team like DePaul or or a Saint Norbert or Rippon or, or teams like that. I think you think that we can play with anybody.
0: And, and 60 teams getting votes in the preseason top 25. I, I've never seen that before.
5: Yeah, it just it just shows how how much parity there is, and I don't think that's going to change. I don't see programs anymore emerging as you know these powerhouses that just win year after year and you know that kind of thing now amherst and williams and they are regular final four teams and they are phenomenal programs but um same with uh, the stevens point the whitewaters whoever but there's just not a lot of
0: those how much texas basketball are you going to try and get in nowadays sir
5: well, I'm happy that Texas-Dallas is ranked because that no. is about 10 minutes from my front door. So I'm going to go scout over there in Richardson, Texas and watch a little Texas-Dallas basketball like very that. soon. That's on my list. i to yeah, check absolutely. to see
0: what their schedule is, see if you got anybody coming in that's worth seeing. Um, you, speaking of which, um, the advent of video technology has got to be a blessing and a curse for you.
5: Well, I tell you, it's been awesome because I can remember... Uh, I've been out of Bloomington, Illinois for what 6 years now and and at first just listening to games on WJBC radio stream then now to be able to literally watch just about every game is is phenomenal for someone that's that's a huge fan but not there in town and I tell you I get to watch more division 3 basketball now than when I was in Bloomington going to all the Westing games because I can flip around and, and have all these screens going on a Saturday <laughs> night watching whatever game I want and so I you know I get to watch all kind of games now.
0: I'm sure the wife loves that by the way. If she, if, if she's like my wife, she's thrilled.
5: She's a she's a basketball wife we could say even though I'm not <laughs> a, a coach. But we have a standing thing where where you know she is a saint and and she has dinner some nice fancy dinner ready for me at about nine fifteen p.m. every Saturday evening <laughs> from November until March. And then I work like heck to try to make that up to her like April yeah. through about October. Yeah, you, so, it, yeah, she's a basketball wife.
0: Make it up and then bank some of it so that the beginning of the year is not as brutal as it could possibly be. Um, I'm kind of a
5: crafty veteran, Dave. I'm a crafty veteran, and I'm finding my way in that regard. So I'll be okay.
0: And you can do it poolside, right? Right. I noticed that's, you have a pool true. at your home. We'll be visiting soon.
5: Uh, my vision is to have you host the show from my, my <laughs> pool back here. So You we'll, know, I've been
0: thinking we'll about play. doing a trip to Texas. You never know. Um, by the way, a couple <laughs> things. Obviously, a Mary Hart and Baylor you can see there. Trinity, Texas is going to make a trip there on January 3rd, just FYI. It's a Saturday. Um, so maybe you can see uh, them at T- Texas-Dallas and, and get your fill. Um,
5: I will make that. Uh, I would love to see Coach Cunningham and his team, and uh, I'm going to plan on
0: that. He might not want to see you. Um, when are we gonna get you? The, <laughs> when are we gonna get you to the Hoopsville Classic, sir?
5: You know, I, I swear over the off season, unless I'm dreaming this, that Ron Rose asked me for your phone number so he could ask you about that tournament. We, I don't know if he ever. We have
0: talked. Persu- we have talked. Let's get this done. Let's get uh, the Titans out to that thing. Talk I'm to there. him. You got to put the pressure on now. We're we're ready and have and we have extended the invitation, sir.
5: All right, I, I'm gonna start working on Coach Rose and uh, see what kind of uh, pressure I can exert. Uh, Fortunately, I'm not like a a a million-dollar-a-year donor (laughs) to the university, so I'm not holding that (laughs) over anyone's head here.
0: And they're not going to listen all that well either, are they?
5: Exactly, right. But I'm going to do my best. I would love to see that.
0: Hey, sir, when you looked at the season ahead, uh, anything you're keying on from now on that you're going to keep an eye on?
5: Um, You know, from a standpoint of the CCIW, I would say can Augustana score enough? points to be a great team i mean i don't think you can be a great team and score 61 62 points a game um, sure. so i'm looking at that for augustana looking to see um whitewater's personnel develop throughout the year i want to say that i want to say they have some guy coming who hasn't played yet like a transfer or something i, I should do my homework more but i want to watch their roster play out um and then there's some under the cover uh under the radar teams i mean it like Chicago. I want to see what Chicago does in the UAA, and that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for at this point.
0: Well, certainly enjoy coming on, especially last minute, to fill in a hole tonight. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I do want to ask you one more regarding committee. What are you hoping to expect to see from the committee this year?
5: You know, um, creativity in the regional ranking process, um, transparency in the entire process. I'd love to give you more Um, (laughs) yeah some some creativity in the bracket making process so i I just think that's all you can ask is you know above and beyond, above and all how about transparency i mean just letting those of us who are passionate fans and people like you that are in the media letting us know how things work and then being open about it that's the, the big thing for me
0: well i can certainly ask about that when we talk to jeff this weekend um, well, certainly, sir. I appreciate you taking the time. As I said, thanks so much for coming on. I know you had to take a break from the pool, uh, though it might be a little cool down there to enjoy the pool. I'm sure you're trying your best. Um, well, I
5: mean, it's uh, 75 degrees oh, today here in Dallas, never mind. Uh, so it, it was a little it was a little chilly. Yeah. I, I felt the breeze at some point around four o'clock, but it's
0: all right. Bob, remember you used to be from Illinois. Remember? I know. Yeah. I know. I remember. I don't think you can go back anymore. Well, thanks so much for coming on, sir. Certainly appreciate it. I know we'll be talking soon, whether on the air or off the air. Take care of yourself. And uh, as always, we give the, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
5: Dave, you're just a fine gentleman. You run a great Division Three basketball <laughs> show, and that's just all I'm going to say right now.
0: Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it, as always. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk soon. See you, Dave. Bye. Take care. Bob Quillman joining us here. On Hoop Soul, certainly appreciate him taking the time to do so. Uh, lots to talk about in Division Three, as everybody can tell. Um, and, and really, the beginning of the year is that feel-out process, and as we kind of talked about, lots of questions. Who, besides one and two, really, who else is there? Um, Bob certainly has a good pulse on things. IWUhoops.com is his website. Uh, he certainly follows CCIW and Illinois Wesleyan quite a bit. Doesn't mean he doesn't follow the rest of the nation. We love having him in Salem when he is able to join us. Someday we'll get him the Hoopsville Classic. Maybe we'll get him to Las Vegas sometime, too. Um, but, hey, he's close to Texas-Dallas. That could be uh, pretty uh, good for many of us. Uh, I didn't mention a Bob, by the way, I drove right through Dallas this summer, but I didn't have time to stop, or I wouldn't have left that pool, to be honest with you. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. As well, still ahead head here on the show, we'll talk to Stevenson men's basketball coach Gary Stewart. Also talk to uh, Scranton interim women's basketball coach uh, Deanna Kling- Klingsman. Talk about uh, the Royals and how they are doing. By the way, number one team in the country, FDU uh, Florham, is off to a 3-0 and start with a win tonight. 97-61 over Kane. Something in the offseason many of you may not have noticed, by the way. The former athletics director at Kane settled with the school for $1.8 million in a wrongful termination lawsuit. You'll remember he was the one who whistle-blew his own program um, for all kinds of shenanigans. The NCAA ended up putting all of its athletics programs on suspension until 2016. Uh, Women's basketball was not allowed to compete in the 2013 postseason. Um, It was all based on the women's basketball coach there, um, and the team having classes that nobody else was uh, privy to or allowed to take. Um, grade changing as well. You might remember some of this in a bigger scale at North Carolina. It's not a Division Three thing. He actually raised it three times and ended up getting fired, apparently for it. And the school um, settled for $1.8 million with the former athletics director. They still have a few lawsuits involving students who had their uh, their, uh scholarships pulled. They had a scholarship program that went to a lot of student-athletes. Some of them probably rightly deserved that scholarship, while others maybe didn't. I, you know, too, I certainly am not privy to say whether that is the case, but some of them have sued because those scholarships also got pulled very late and uh, students had no way of paying their tuition. So they're still came not exactly out of the woodwork. Nonetheless, the mighty have fallen, as it were, Kane used to be a top 10 program, and FDU Florham, the defending national women's basketball champs, are 3-0 after a 97-61 win there. the FDU now won 36 straight games. Um, Who knows when they might lose, they're a good team, to say the least. Um, We'll check to see if there's uh, some other scores around Division III that we should be keeping our eye on, of course. Let's go to the scoreboard quickly. Um, on the men's side is that loads first Williams has taken on Johnson State and they have an 11 point lead 55-44 remember Williams with an 0-2 start on the season Albertus Magnus have an easy time with Mitchell no surprise there whatsoever uh, St. Thomas will be in action against Whitman that could be an interesting game Whitman could be one of those teams flying a little bit under the radar out in the Northwest especially in the Northwest Conference uh, wouldn't be surprised if Whitman gets that win of course that is at Whitman so St. Thomas on the road for that game Whitworth will take on Rutgers-Newark. That game also at Whitworth. Um, this is men's basketball, number 17, Whitworth. Um, the Rutgers-Newark men's and women's team certainly doing quite a bit of traveling. Uh, other games jumping out at me. Nothing really uh, crazy, though. Springfield is down right now 30-24 to 24 to Elms on the keeping an eye on list. On the women's side of things, we told you about FDU Florham. Rutgers Newark will take on number twenty-four Whitworth as we pointed out. Of course, Whitworth zero two start on the women's side of things. Other games jumping out at me. Uh, let's see, nothing really except maybe Elizabethtown struggling more than you would expect. Down or leading by eight on Lancaster Bible in the second half, you would think that would be a bigger score. Um, nothing else really, you know, of shocking value that I can see um, so far. So. Lots, uh, lots going on tonight on a, on a Thursday night. Don't normally get this many games, but really, again, this odd start with the 15th being on a, on a Saturday has led to some different scheduling in the first 10 days of the season. Of course, don't forget Hoopsville National Invitational Classic coming up here um, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Stevenson. If you are, seriously, if you are within a few hours of Stevenson University and you want to see some good basketball, please come. It's $7. You get to see three games for $7 on Friday, it's Three, it's four games for $7 on Saturday, uh, three games again on Sunday. If you buy the, the C session pass for $15, you get in all three days. It is well worth the ticket. It's well worth the cost. If you can't travel to see the games, they will be online as well, and we certainly look forward to um, providing those uh, those broadcasts for you. Again, Frank Rossi, Jeff Gamber, and Gordon Mann will be on the calls on Friday, and it'll be myself, um, Frank Rossi, and a new broadcaster from Dickinson uh, joining us, Jeff uh, Anderson, I believe, or I may have misspoke about his last name, joining us uh, on Saturday, and then Frank and I will do the yeoman's work on Sunday. Don't forget about the D3Hoops.com Classic, of course, that's coming up uh, 28th, 29th, and 30th in Las Vegas. FDU Florham women's basketball will be there among other really good basketball programs. It'll be a great time there at the South Point Arena. Um, so that's what we got on tap. We're going to take another break. Um, actually, going to go a couple. We're going to go a couple more minutes here before we take that break. By the way, at the Hoopsville Classic, we'll interview each of the coaches too. Uh, talk to coaches like Bill Brown and, and Mike McGrath and others. So, looking forward. Uh, to it once again here coming up. Castleton Women's Basketball have the lead 51-49. They don't remember who they're taking on. Just saw a tweet about that. Um, A reminder, we will not be on the air next week because it's Thanksgiving. We're not going to do that kind of thing. But after that, we'll be on the air for two weeks in December before taking the break for the holidays, mainly because I'll get tied up with the Gallardi Trophy and just a little too difficult to try and pull off a show on the 18th. Certainly would love to There's always an outside chance we could pull it off, but to be honest, it's uh, uh, gonna be challenging. So most likely the fifth, uh, or I should say, um, is it the fifth? No, the first, second, fourth. (laughs) I can do math. Uh, December fourth and December eleventh, we will be on the air with Hoopsville in December. So two more years episodes before we take a break. Uh, During those two weeks, at one point we will talk to both committee chairs. Uh, we will talk to Jeff um, uh, Burns actually over the weekend pre tape something that will air on the 4th. We'll also talk to Dave Martin at some point on the women's side. Uh, just kind of get you an idea of what they are looking at as committee chairs. Talking to Dave Martin today, talking about how excited he is about Calvin hosting uh, the Women's Championship weekend this year. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about what Bob Quillman talked about and the transparency side of things. Will the committee be able to be a little more transparent? Really, it's up to the committee chairs, to be honest with you. It's up to the committees in some sense as well. It's also up to the NCAA. Again, I was in India, Indiana a few a uh, few months ago, and I know men's basketball has been pushing for regional rankings and data to be released, and they are in the minority, unfortunately, in a straw poll. Something I heard recently that got me thinking a little bit more, a lot of the committees that seem to me probably against it tend to be against it Don't have a lot of media like ourselves who question them. Men's basketball, totally for it. The NABC wants them to release more information. Media certainly wants them to release more information. I think the women wouldn't mind it being released. I know a few years ago that certainly wasn't the case. Don't know about football or baseball or soccer off the top of my head, but my gathering idea, and maybe somebody else's gathering idea that's kind of resonated in my head, I should say, is that maybe it's coaches that these committees are actually more afraid of or or don't want to be questioned by. Well, then that comes down to the coaches' associations. The NFCA, or, uh, I can't even remember the, the appropriate a- AFCA, for example, in volleyball. Uh, the NABC pushes for more transparency um, and, and get their coaches on board with a lot of this stuff. Maybe some more coaches' associations need to do two things when it comes to, re- to this information. One, they need to talk to their coaches about not going after committees because, remember, coaches serve on the committees. So maybe they need to go after these coaches and say, hey, 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 Let's talk as a unified group. Let's talk at our meetings and say, what do we want to talk to the committee about? Instead of just going after these people and thinking they're, they're not doing a good job. And second of all, they maybe have to go to these committees and say, you need to release this information. This information can't be hidden. Now, maybe the opposite is happening for all I know. I don't really know off the top of my head. But I know the NABC basically says, we want this information. The NABC also will defend decisions. It will defend any harsh criticism rightly so. It's also going to go up to bat for its coaches as well if they don't think something is going right. Um, Steve, uh, Steve, uh, uh, last year's commissioner, uh, commissioner from the Centennial, last year's committee chair, I should say, um, talked about wanting to work with the NABC to do, uh, do right by the committee. Certainly Jeff Burns is of, the, is of the same mentality. But I wonder if that's where things are drawing the line here a little bit. If the committee's Were the 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 coaches associations were to get on board, understand the process themselves a little bit better, and take and become a voice in the process, maybe we'll get these these this information. You know, when you hear it from the media, you only hear it from that point of view. But if the coaches association turns around and says, "Hey, we need to be hearing about this information too," that changes things. If the committee, the coaches association also turns around and says, "Hey," Ease off, guys. Let's not go after these committees in that manner. The committees might be a little bit more willing to share their information. It was an interesting point of view. I don't remember where I heard it from. Maybe on the boards, and I don't know who it came from. That maybe the committees are the one, or the 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 coaches are the ones the committees are really, you know, skeptical about, and that's why they don't want to release information. Because remember, you know, how many championships are in Division Three? There isn't that many media outlets like myself and D3Hoops.com and. And D3football.com and baseball and such that are, that or hockey that are rel- that are questioning this information in a media point of view. It's coming mainly from coaches, so maybe that's why there's this sept- skeptic- skepticism, I should say, from these committees. They don't want these. They're, they're hearing enough from coaches, and they don't want to hear. They don't want coaches going after coaches. That very well could be it. And I can understand it. But now that maybe the coaches' associations have to take some onus here and change that and then convince some changes as well. Just a thought. Uh, I thought it resonated well. I actually wanted to bring it up last week and didn't get the opportunity. We're going to take another break when we come back. Gary Stewart of Stevenson University will join us here on the air, talk about the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic, and of course, talk about his team and the MAC Commonwealth as well. Uh, great conversation that we had with him earlier today. And then coming up, Scranton women's basketball interim head coach, Anna Klinsman, will talk about her Royals and their start to the season and highly ranked, and the retirement of Mike Strong. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have questions for us, tweet us at d 3 hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or Facebook us at Facebook.com slash hoopsill. More hoopsill right after this.
2: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com
1: at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. I'm here at Stevenson University, home of the third annual Hoopsville National Invitational Classic. So, of course, I am joined by head coach Gary Stewart getting ready for the tournament. We'll talk about that in a little bit. This is also going to serve as our Hoopsville Corner interviews. We're going to talk to each and every head coach here when they are uh, involved with the classic and coach first and foremost third annual tournament coming here to Stevenson. I know you uh, like the idea of putting this together when it began. Did you expect to have almost a consistency ten teams now in the third year? It's happened really, really fast. Um, uh, we've
6: got a lot of good things, a lot of really, really um, energetic, bright people behind it uh, that work diligently all year long on this tournament. Uh, but to have this quality
0: and this uh, depth of teams this soon. Um, it's really remarkable.
3: You know, A number of
0: teams this year are either going to be talked about in the top 25 or respected enough that they certainly are always in the conversation. Chicago, Wittenberg, WPI, Randolph-Macon, Mary Harden-Baylor not that far removed from making a championship appearance. And plus other teams that are kind of on the rise. The Gwynedd-Mercy's out there. Of course Cabrini comes back. Everyone wants to see Aaron Walton-Moss. Nice mix of teams this year. Yeah, I- I'm really excited about the uh... The, again, the depth
6: and the quality of teams. Um, the diversity in the field is, is really extraordinary when you think about the different regions that they represent, the different conferences they represent, um, high-level college basketball in different ways. You're going to see some really good half-court play. You're going to see some people that
0: go up and down. Uh, you'll see some people that will zone. you some men, <laughs> yeah. men. So you're going to see the full gamut. It's going to be a really exciting week. Don't want to leave out Catholic, who came in in the first year and, of course, shocked everybody by going 2 and 0 knocking off top 25 teams along the way. Um, You guys, of course position, you you get uh, two good teams to face off against, Wittenberg and then Chicago, after playing uh, Covenant and Cairn to start the season. What are you expecting from your two games this weekend?
6: Well, this is really a nice uh, weekend to uh, judge where we are. It's a good barometer. Um, for us moving forward. Uh, we have conference play looming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Wittenberg, obviously, the all-time winningest program in the history of Division III basketball. Uh, that's going to be a, a monumental challenge. Uh, uh, Bill Brown such an extraordinary coach. So, we'll certainly have our hands full. And then uh, Chicago out of the UAA, um, uh, really, really good um, uh, depth in, in their rosters is uh, going to be challenging. Uh, obviously, another really, really good coach in Mike
0: and of course, for me, I always find it interesting. You're tapping into two couple of nice SOS locations for you with those two conferences. Uh, mix of games you got four on Friday, or sorry, three on Friday, four on Saturday, and then three on Sunday. This is going to be a bit of, bit of a busy weekend as well. Football team successful, going to have an ECAC bowl game, big open house. Almost maybe in some ways the way you like it, to have it busy, maybe more attraction to the tournament too.
6: Yeah,
0: it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um,
6: uh, our football team had a terrific year and that culminates with a bowl game this weekend. Uh, so we're excited to host that and uh, uh, we're going to have our biggest open house in the history of the school. So uh, that's another um, uh, event that we're really, really excited about and then, and then Hoopsville. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a full gamut of, uh, of things on the campus and, uh, and again, uh, I think it'll be an exciting weekend for all.
0: Shook the rust off with Covenant. Uh, good game for the first five, ten minutes of it. Then you guys started to steadily pull away and win it. Karen, not much of a challenge, a little bit early, but not much in the overall scheme. Now you get those two tests with Wittenberg and Chicago, and then you talk about that conference looming. you got kind of a ramped-up start to the season almost. Yeah, we do. Um,
6: you know, I'm one that doesn't get ahead of myself in one game at a time. Right, exactly. Uh, so uh, my fixation is on Littenberg. But uh, uh, we're, we're going to have a difficult conference, and uh, we know that going in. It's uh, extraordinarily well coached, it's got some talented student athletes, and uh, you throw that in a pot. <laughs> uh, and it's a rigorous exercise for uh, uh, a couple
0: months. But, uh, but we're looking forward to the challenge. You guys picked number one in the conference. Uh, obviously, you couldn't pick for yourself, but uh, you guys picked number one. Interesting situation with the conference this year. now officially has left and joined the landmark. Alvernia, who's been a threat, may kind of be more middle of the pack. You're, there's been many who say that Widener may be the team to watch coming out of here. Messiah has always been tough. You never know what to expect from the rest, and even Arcadia could, could kind of Creep up and be battling for the top spot. This year's kind of not a hodgepodge, but really showing the depth of this conference now. It'll be very, very difficult from top to bottom.
6: Uh, I don't put a lot of credence in uh, (laughs) preseason balls, but uh, uh, I think there's a number of teams that can play at the top of the conference. Uh, Very, very difficult venues to win in. Again, extremely well-coached conference. So uh, anybody that comes out of this double round robin uh, at the end of uh, February will have done uh, uh, good work, uh,
0: because it's it, again is a very difficult conference. Just missed making the NCAA tournament last year. Heartbreaking, really, on a buzzer beater uh, against Alvernia. To they advance on you guys, miss out. I know that's left a sour taste in everybody's mouth, at least on the team. You want to be in that NCAA tournament. Is it NCAA or bust this year? Is that kind of the mentality, or is it just do the best we can and we'll, and we'll you know cross that bridge as it as it comes?
6: Yeah, we we certainly have to. Uh, uh, Work from the edit that we need to improve, and and uh, that the season last year showed us that there are a multitude of different areas that we needed to to get better in and address. And um, hopefully we can move the uh, program forward, and, and that's a uh, next evolution. I think we we're four uh, seconds away from that. Yeah. So, um, well, hopefully we will we'll have an opportunity to play for. Uh,
0: uh, postseason play this season. This team might surprise a few people. I think you know you certainly lost some players to graduation, as every team does. Maybe not players that people thought were coming back, but then you added some talent. I mean, having watched the first couple of games so far, you've still got that outside shooting threat. You've still got that inside dominant threat, and maybe from guys no one would expect. This team seems pretty deep and wide-ranging. Yeah, it's, it's no doubt our deepest team, and uh, so that's exciting for me
6: because Um, We've had some limitations in some areas, but now we can uh, put some quality student athletes in all five spots and um, we can sustain an effort, we can sustain the consistency that's needed. Um, uh, You're going to get worn down uh, during conference with uh, uh, a limited rotation and we saw that uh, at times last year where we got caught or we had to have specific guys uh, extend them to 33, 34 minutes, Uh, I don't think we're in that same boat this year.
0: Yeah, Christian Roberts, of course, guy leading the way uh, at the point guard, really, essentially. He's been the catalyst, but the great thing about him is he seems to be more than happy that if he scores, great, but he's willing to dish it out. And, again, depth, I've watched five, six, seven different people be able to put up numbers. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, that's the way we built it, uh,
6: where we could have uh, a combination of – uh, of athletes that uh, can score and score a variety of different ways, and uh, it doesn't matter who it is; it just has to be a person that's <laughs> in uniform. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue to share the ball and uh, and take what uh, what's open, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, those opportunities will provide great success for us.
0: And quickly, how important is home court?
6: Well, I think it's important, but uh, the good teams win everywhere. Sure, and um, so. Uh, You certainly have to protect your home court. And if you want to play in the postseason, you have to really put a crooked number up on your home court. Uh, uh, But you also have to go on the road and be able to to
0: win in in difficult places. And you're certainly going to face a lot of those in the conference play and in non-conference action. Appreciate you coming on, as always, as we get ready for the third annual Hoopsville National Invitational Classic. As you know, as always on the Hoopsville show, I always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
6: Well, Dave, um, like always, uh, I'm very appreciative of your help. Uh, We've got a a long weekend ahead of us, (laughs) and and you've worked diligently to Help make this tournament what it is and uh, with the backing of Stevenson University we've got extraordinary leadership here and, and very fortunate to be able to put this on and I'm very excited about it.
0: If you want to come, there are tickets available. Three games, Friday, Saturday or three days of games, I should say. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is the third annual Hoopsville National Invitational Classic presented by Buffalo Wild Wings, hosted by Stevenson University. I think we got it all in there. There may be a couple more I've forgotten, but we'll get it all covered. Don't forget, tune in. You can watch the games. You can come and watch the games live or online, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll be back with more Hoopsville when we come back right here on Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches.
1: Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
3: Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
2: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who is identified as a likely leader.
6: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the
3: classroom. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, Thanks to Gary Stewart there of Stevenson. Again, Hoopsville National Invitational Classic, wearing the shirt and everything, coming up here on Friday. Certainly look forward to 10 really good basketball games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Stevenson University. Encourage all of you to come if you can or watch the games online. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville or email us Hoopsville at d 3 Hoops. Dot com. Let's switch back to women's basketball uh, and talk to one of the top ten teams in the country, uh, who's certainly off to a good start, and that would be the Scranton Royals, two and zero on the season with wins over Misericordia and Haverford. Um, but their big change happened in the off season when Coach Mike Strong stepped aside. They brought in interim head coach uh, Coach Klingman, and she joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, thanks for joining us. Ah, hold on, I got. It. I did it again. Yeah, we'll try the unmute button. Now try that again, Coach. Welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks a lot, Dave. It's a
7: pleasure to uh, talk to you tonight.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do so. I know you just stepped off the court from practice, so we found the perfect time to chat with you. First and foremost, when did you find out the news that the, that Coach Strong was stepping aside, and then when did you find out the news that they would like to have you come in?
7: Well. Um... No one really knew until the day he actually uh, went in and uh, resigned, uh, retired, actually, not resigned, but yeah. retired from coaching. I know he was struggling with some health issues, um, but that's the first that I heard of it. And actually the University of Scranton reached out to me and uh, asked me to step in as being the interim since it was you know, mid-September, and practice was you know, less than three weeks away.
0: Yeah, uh, sure. It, it's it caught everybody by surprise. Uh, I remember uh, showing up to a soccer practice of my son's, looking down at my phone and going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! <laughs> uh, not the time I need to, to to see that kind of news." When you when you got the news, I assume you were certainly looking forward to it. But did what was your first thought when they said, "Hey, can you come in take this program over?"
7: Um, my initial thought was. What a privilege it would be to go back, um, you know, as an interim head coach at the university where um, so many great things happened for me there um, as a player and as a person. Um, so I took great pride in them asking me to come in. Um, coach and I have known each other for over 30 years, and uh, he's been a mentor to me for, you know, since I stepped foot on campus in 1984-85 season.
0: in and- I mean, you, you were with this, on staff as of a few years ago, went on, uh, on to other endeavors, and now you're back. So certainly coming back to the program was exciting. But was a little bit uh, uh, kind of – was it like riding an old bike, or was it a little bit jawing trying to come back and, and take it over?
7: Well, I, I didn't give up coaching. I left uh, – right. my sons were playing, so I wanted to de- uh, see them play. Um, and my old, my middle son is actually on the men's basketball team at the University of Scranton. So I was able to be at many of the games, um, not just last year, but the year before I actually was a volunteer assistant. And so I, I knew all of the seniors and juniors coming in this, this year. And that was one of the, the key reasons why I knew what not just great basketball players they were, but they were great kids. And I wanted to give them every opportunity to go out there and try to reach their full potential.
0: Um, So you take over in mid-September. Got to get used to a team that certainly is loaded and coming back full to bear, as it were. Um, The departure of Coach Strong apparently didn't hurt the top 25 voters. They loved you at number eight in the D3Hoops.com top 25. Um, You had to be at least a little bit excited knowing you had this kind of uh, talent coming back, this kind of opportunity.
7: Sure, absolutely. Um, it's exciting when, um, you know, you you have a, a great nucleus uh, there already. And now, you know, just in terms of to mold them, of course, they had to listen to a new voice this year. Um, I think the transition was, was very easy for the kids, um, you know, after talking to them. But, you know, people may think it's easy stepping into the situation, you know, to follow a legendary coach. Um, I think it may be a harder situation to come into, just because of the high expectations.
0: Um, certainly, the high expectations. This is a team, a uh, handful of seniors, uh, two actually, or three I should say by count, a number of juniors and sophomores. Certainly, you know, deep team. Um, early on, can't tell a ton by anything. Certainly, you don't want to assume anything by the, by the start of the season, but you're getting quite a, a lot of, of contributions from a number of different players. Um, yeah, 21 points a game from Meredith Maseris, but obviously two mm-hmm. games in. Don't want to, to write too much on there, right. but you basically have four players in double figures. Is this team as deep as it looks in the first two games of the season is, and as deep as the roster indicates?
7: Um, I, I really think the team is deep. We have a great nucleus, and we have people really contributing um, off the bench, which is key. And, and from the start of the season, I said, this, isn't, this is going to be a team effort this year. We need to work collectively. And I think each of the players have taken on roles, um, you know, with a great amount of pride. Some people are going to come in and be a defensive specialists. Um, so I think, you know, everybody's buying into the roles that's been set, you, you know, over that first uh, month of the season in terms of practices.
0: You know twenty six and four last season, make it to the second or third round, second weekend of the NCAA tournament, lose to eventual national champs undefeated FDU Florham. So certainly the loss doesn't look as bad as maybe it felt initially, especially when it was a five point loss should say lost to Montclair State at FDU Florham. Yeah. I apologize. So maybe that yep. that five point loss has a little more sting to it than than I that was alluding to. Um, but the you know conference expects you guys to compete. This is a tough conference. Um, the likes of Moravian, um, you know, you certainly have a challenge with Catholic. How how have you guys prepared for this season? How do you think this team is going to stack up when it comes to not only non-conference play, but really the conference and, and how that thing's going to shake out?
7: Yeah, I think this year, too, we're coming in with a defensive-minded attitude. Okay. And we started day one in terms of, We're playing defense every day, and I ask them to challenge themselves um, to play both ends of the floor. So that's been our focus all year. So we're focusing on the defensive end, hopefully covering uh, a lot of ball screens, staggered screens. So whatever we're going to see from whatever team, hopefully we've been preparing for that from day one. So we're just going game to game um, in terms of our preparation right now. I'm I'm well aware of the competition in the league, and of yeah. course Moravian Catholic, and with the addition of Elizabethtown now, yeah. um, it's going to be a strong conference. Um, but that's the fun of basketball, you know. I'm hoping we could get in some quality games and intense games before we uh, start up with conference play coming up in early December.
0: How do you, yeah? I was going to say very early December. Your first game uh, in mm-hmm. conference play will be Juniata on the sixth. Uh, followed by Merchant Marine on the 14th. How much do, do you have to walk a, maybe not a fine line isn't the right term, but walk a a, 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 a path of, okay, this team has been used to what Coach Strong did. I don't want to shake up too much because we haven't had a lot of time mm-hmm. to work on things. But at the same time, I do have some ideas, like you point out defense, that I do want right. to institute here and see if it can help us improve. How How tricky is that slope for you? Well,
7: I think what I started, you know, when we started off October 15th is um, to really focus on the fundamentals and go slowly. So we're in a, uh, you know, progressive stage right now. We're trying to um, throw more and more things in as we go, especially I want them to know um, early on what we're going to be running and knowing it very well before we move on. Um, So at this point of the season, I told the kids now we're going to be adding. You know, adding on in terms of our defenses, not just our man, but, you know, the other defenses we're going to run this year. And, you know, maybe we could su- surprise some people because they don't know what my, you know, what I may throw in this year, yeah. which is nice as well.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, for everybody, they're scouting a different Scranton team in some senses uh, of yep. the word. You'll take on Wilkes here uh, tomorrow night, uh, the game at the uh, Scotty Wood Tournament. Uh, Then you'll play uh, a game on Saturday. Then Kings uh, in a neighborly game, as it were, (laughs) uh, on the 25th, about, a what, 10 minutes away from campus, roughly? Uh, Probably about 25. I was going to say, depends on traffic, right? Um, Yeah. And then Juniata and Merchant Marine, as we said. Then Eastern and Cabrini before you take a break. Then you go to... Too bad you come on as interim head coach and have to go to San Juan, Puerto Rico yeah, for games. I,
7: uh, yeah, I feel geez, bad for I'm you, left. Coach.
0: I know. <laughs> uh, but, of yeah, course, it is uh, Tufts and Babs, and it's not going to be easy games either.
7: No, we're looking forward to the trip. Um, we're not really focusing on that right now. We're sure. just focusing on getting through each game. But, of course, um, you know, Tufts 30-3 and three last year. We're yeah. really excited to see where we're at we're going to use that as a barometer of where we're at this at that point of the season.
0: Um, when you look at this roster and you look at this team, who who are the players that we're going to be talking about most of this season?
7: Well, I think, you know, of course, we're going to start off with our um, honorable mention, All-American mm-hmm. uh, Meredith Maceres, Um, you know, has given us uh, a lot of minutes, um, you know, over the past, you know, Three and a half years she she walked in here as a transfer student. And, um, you know, she's done a great job leading this team. And uh, so you're going to hear a lot about her this year. But I also think the other two seniors you're going to hear a lot from um, great leadership, Lindsay Floor and Leah DeSazio um, have really stepped up. Um, Lindsay's, uh, you know, starting at point for the third year. Um, she brings great intensity great defensive effort and she's very very unselfish with the ball and Leah brings us that great three-point threat she's really shooting the ball well um, and she's really stepped up her game in terms of defensively so and I think you know with all teams it starts with that great leadership and uh, we have that Uh, but there's also some underclassmen too that you're going to hear from
0: I was going to say that was kind of my loaded question to you next was going to be okay so the loaded part of this is who are, who's coming that we don't mainly see right now or going to be that unsung hero um, mm-hmm. that you have coming that that's going to maybe surprise some people. And I say it's loaded because, okay, you got to pick the best of the rest.
7: <laughs> I know, right? All right? You know, I mean, Sarah Payank had a terrific freshman year. I got to see her play a lot last year. Really excited what she's doing um, at practice in her first two games. Uh, probably one of the most unselfish players on the team and has excellent interior um, passing ability. So um, you're going to hear a lot from her. And uh, Noelle stepped into the starting lineup right now. She's a junior um, from, you know, um, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And uh, she brings that great uh, defensive intensity to the starting lineup right now. And she's really scrappy. Um, so, you know, she brings a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, of course, we have um, some depth off the bench. Um, Alexis Roman, terrific year. She transferred in last year at 6'1, and uh, it's going to be hard to keep her off the floor. That's how well she's playing.
2: Wow, pretty impressive. Yeah. Again, and we... then,
7: you know, yeah. yeah, we also have, you know, Jackie Gans coming in and Lexi McGivern. Um, Jackie, again, gives us that other guard, that great three-point threat. And Lexi brings a lot of intensity and, uh, you know, a lot of energy to her game.
0: As we mentioned, deep team for sure mm-hmm. uh, for the Scranton women. Uh, back to Coach Mike Strong. Um, obviously, you played for him. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then were an assistant coach for a number of years under him as well at, for eight total years. What what do you remember? What was the biggest influence Coach Strong had on you?
7: I think really just the environment that he set for me coming in as a player. Of course, I transferred in my senior year, and uh, it was just a welcoming environment and a family atmosphere, and that's really what I needed at that point, and uh, that's what I remember the most. Um, you know, from him and just the relationships that I built while I was at the University of Scranton. And a lot of them were basketball-related um, relationships.
0: Um, and what kind of legacy, from your point of view, did he leave it at, uh, this is going to be multiple faceted, what did he leave <laughs> at Scranton, what did he leave on women's basketball, especially in Division Three?
7: I mean, you just look at the records that he set. Um, I think just the great tradition that he set decades ago. And, you know, And it's very hard. You don't see coaches stick around for 34 years. Yeah. Um, It tells me he loved the university. The university loved him. Um, I know how the alum feel. They've reached out to me, many of them. But the impact that he's had on many of the young ladies' lives is just, you know, you just can't really put a word on it.
0: Well, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you for uh, the thoughts on Mike Strong. Of course, thank you for your thoughts on the team. Uh, certainly, a, a program we'll keep an eye on. Being ranked number eight, I assume, has not gone to anybody's heads um, on that squad. I know they've got—they know they've got business to do this year in a very yep. tough Landmark Conference. Uh, quickly before I let you go, I do have one question regarding region. Don't know if—if if you've even looked that far in advance, but now the entire Landmark is sitting in the Mid Atlantic region, unlike last year where it was split up. If it right. ever were to come to that at-large bid, how much of a difference does that make?
7: Oh, that makes that's a huge difference, you know, because it is very competitive, so that's why each game is important, you know that you do play um you can't lose any games, and you know we feel you know there's a target on us this year, so we're gonna have to take everybody's best punch when we walk in the gym um so that's I think that's the biggest challenge, and um you know. Definitely, with the change in the region, it's going to have a big factor at the end of the
0: year. Sure. Uh, I think it ended up uh, both Moravian and Catholic sitting at the table at the same time in two different regions last year. Um, Certainly was an interesting dichotomy, to say the least. Uh, Appreciate it again for joining us. Thank you very much. Good luck uh, with Wilkes tomorrow and then the, the game on Saturday. As always, though, we give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
7: No, I think uh, I appreciate the call. I'm glad I could join you tonight. Um, You know, I think uh, scram basketball, we just want to keep it simple this year, Um, you know, and uh, go out there and have the girls play with a lot of accountability and intensity and have some fun.
0: Well, very good and well said. Thanks so much again. Good luck. Uh, We'll certainly keep an eye on the Royals, and uh, I'll see if I can get to a game sometime in the near future as well.
7: Okay. Thank you so much, Dave.
0: Yep. Take care. Okay. Bye, bye. Bye, Coach Klingman. Joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. As we mentioned here tonight, um, I want to thank all of our guests, of course, uh, Dan Benjamin at Mount St. Joe uh, in Cincinnati, and of course, I want to thank Gary Stewart, Bob Quillman, of course, Cling- Coach Klingman there from Scranton as well. Um, a reminder again: we will be off the air next Thursday on Thanksgiving. Uh, there's no way in God's green earth anybody would tune in, let alone me get away with doing a show. So we will not do that, but we'll be back on the air December 4th. Uh, we will talk to Men's Basketball Committee Chair Jeff Burns, the Athletics Director at Randolph-Macon, uh, in that show. We will actually pre-tape that segment here this weekend at the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic. So if you have any guests for our our committee chair, uh, the Men's Committee Chair, not ours, the Men's Committee Chair, please let us know. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Also, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or Facebook at us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We will also talk to the women's chair, Dave Martin, Athletics Director at Misery Accordia, former men's basketball coach there. Of course, former interim women's basketball coach at one time as well. He will join us on a future show as well. Could be the 4th, could be the 11th, the, the to be determined exactly. So if you have questions for either gentleman uh, regarding either committee or how it's going to work this year or anything you want to know, let us know. Remember, we talk to them about this time every year. Sometimes we'll get them in right before regional rankings. We'll then make an appearance for a quick interview, and we always talk to them after the whole process has taken place. Uh, we realize that for multiple reasons, those are important interviews to have, and we are happy that that, that, all, that both uh, committee chairs over the years have been willing to, to join us in those discussions. So we will have that coming up. We certainly hope uh, you will take the time uh, to ask us questions, to ask him, and take the time to listen to those interviews. Again, I'll plug the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic, of course, coming up here um, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Stevenson University, of course, on the air um, on via video. But if you can get to the arenas, we certainly encourage you to do that. By the way, there's always a nice um, charity that is involved that uh, some of the proceeds go towards. It's a nice touch done by Stevenson and head coach, um, uh, head coach for uh, uh, Stevenson, um, uh, Gary Stewart. Sorry, distracted with some emails coming in. Take Back the Night is the uh, charity this year. Uh, looking forward to working with them as well. Uh, we'll check out some scores, see what's going on around Division Three before we uh, let you go. Hold on a quick second here. Let's get an update, uh, see if there's any surprises. Again, on the men's side, no surprise. Williams, though finally off the schneid, as it were. 0-2 start, it comes to an end with a 94 94- 59 win over Johnson State but again Williams is not the number five team in the country uh, I will state for the record that it was way too high a preseason poll for a team that lost their head coach lost their 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 core group of seniors and lost Duncan Robinson to transfer to Michigan Albertus Magnus number eight team in the country who has actually lost a game already this season uh, gets a, an easy win over Mitchell 119 to 88. Another two games to keep an eye on that will start later tonight, 10 o'clock Eastern and 11 o'clock Eastern, respectively. Number 13, St. Thomas at Whitman. Watch out for Whitman. Uh, Rutgers-Newark at number 17, Whitworth. That's part of a doubleheader, men and women. Women will be tipping off shortly uh, on at Whitworth. Uh, Rutgers-Newark making the trip. Uh, checking to see if there's any other games that jump out of me tonight. Of any scores, Rhode Island College, under their new head coach, got an easy win over LaSalle, 75-57. Really no surprise there, to be honest with you. Um, Gallaudet got a win over Kristen Nome. I don't know if that's really all that shocking. On the women's side of things, we mentioned number one, FDU Florham continues their winning ways. 36 straight games now since they last lost. with The win over Kane, 97-61. We mentioned the Whitworth game coming up here in just a few minutes. And when we get off the air, go and check that game out. it certainly be worth watching. Rutgers-Newark versus Whitworth. Whitworth, 0-2. Am I correct, or was that Whitman I was getting myself confused with? Uh, no, Whitworth is 1-0. It was Whitman that's 0-2. I misspoke earlier. Uh, Rutgers-Newark and Whitworth will take on that game. Checking other scores, see if there's any names popping out at me on this Thursday evening, and really nothing jumping out um, of significance, I don't think. Could be missing something as I scan the top 25. Uh, Mary Washington played Navy. Navy won 79-59. Um, otherwise, really nothing else of shocking value, to say the least. Uh, next, Again, next week we'll be off the air for Thanksgiving. And then we'll be back on the air December 4th. If you have any questions for our, our, our committee chairs, let us know, because we will be doing the committee chair interview this weekend to air on the 4th of December. We won't ask any dated questions necessarily uh, by any way, shape, or form. Um, I think that's, uh, let's see, other other bit of business. We may be ending the show a little bit early here tonight. Um, by the way, in that Williams game, um... Hayden Rookley, it was 12 of 15 from beyond the arc. Not a bad night, to say the least. By the way, you should plug football. Football playoffs getting underway. Go to d3football.com for more information on that. Uh, you can still get involved in the Bracket Challenge. Um, that game, Those games will be starting on Saturday. Bracket Challenge is available until, I think, tip-off. I'm not positive the exact, or uh, kick-off, I should say. Not exactly sure the exact timing on that. But involve. it's all for fun. Uh, no money exchanges hands, but it's all for fun and, and bragging rights, as it were. Of course, uh, Mary Harden Baylor, Whitewater, um, Mount Union Wesley, so you in no know, particular order, your top four dogs, uh, as it were, on the football side. So certainly worth watching. But we also want to watch basketball this weekend. Got an exciting weekend of basketball. It's really, this is kind of the weekend that everything really has gotten started. We've kind of had this slow start, the NCAA allowing the Mount St. Joseph uh, Hiring game to be on the second. We had the 14th where we had Coast Guard versus uh, Ham, uh, um, Coast Guard versus Hamden City. And by the way, I didn't even talk about that. I'm terribly sorry. Thought it was a pretty good game. Coast Guard came out very nicely to start with, controlled the tempo. Then Hamden City finally put their foot down and controlled the tempo, and it was all over after that. Thought ESPNU did a pretty decent job of the broadcast. Got a little irked when um, uh, Jay Williams kept saying. Hamden instead of Hamden, Sydney, but in the grand scheme of things, nothing to uh, to be disappointed in. Um, but I thought it was a good game. I thought it was uh, well played. Uh, I appreciated ESPN do you doing a decent job of covering that game. Certainly getting to know the players and understanding the significance a little bit of that game. Um, if people disagree with me, so be it. But I thought it was a it was a nice job to say the least. Um, Certainly, we'd like to see more games on national television as as a result. Anyway, so the season got off to a slow start. First weekend, not a lot of teams getting involved. Again, some teams haven't even played their first game yet. They're either playing their first game today, tomorrow, or Saturday. Um, And so a little bit of a slow start to the season here because of the timing of the 15th. And and presumably, that means next year will be even worse because the 15th is on a Sunday. Um, So we'll have, have an even slower start to the season, as it were. Hoopsville National Invitational Classic will certainly have a little bit more bang next year, um, in the sense of, of of a real start to the season. Um, so that's kind of why things just feel a little disconjointed uh, as we get going with this season. Uh, some teams have played three, four games already. Some teams haven't played any. Um, and so you know, again, said at the beginning of the show, legislation has has been it's been thinking about. It. I'm not sure if it's it's in play or not. At least the management council, I think, may be thinking about it. Of putting up in place, basically, essentially, essentially, excuse my mic. Essentially, starting the season, the uh, the Friday, two Fridays before Thanksgiving. It's not always the case. If the fifteenth were say uh, on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, that wouldn't be the case. But it, it, you would still technically get two Fridays in. I think before Thanksgiving. I don't know the calendar. You know, I could pull it up while I'm talking to you right now. Actually, let's see here. If I were to go, I got to go to sixteen here. Uh, November of sixteen, the fifteenth on a Tuesday. Actually, we'd only get one weekend before um, Thanksgiving. If it was uh, twenty eighteen, um, it is you know it would be two weeks prior. So I don't know what's going to happen here exactly. We may get this little truncated, weird start to the season for a couple years here uh, before things go back to quote unquote normal, where we get a couple weekends before the season actually starts. Um, I kind of like maybe going back and guaranteeing two weekends before November starts, but there's no guarantees that'll work, but we'll see. We'll keep it following on it. By the way, I know it was a topic of conversation last week, 10% reduction in games. That has actually been tabled. Technically it's back to the NCAA. Uh, there has been a gender equality question about it being raised by a few, uh, sports, um, mainly because football was taken out of the equation basically, all once-a-week sports were taken out of the equation, and that applies to football and cross-country primarily. Uh, so there's a gender equality question at, at play. Don't know what the outcome of that will be. It is going to be on the docket for the convention, though at the convention one of three things could happen. Uh, they could get up and say, we are voting on this, so let's open debate, and they go through the process and there's a vote. They could get up there and say, um, we are n- not voting on it, but we can still debate it or have a conversation. We'll leave the time to do that. Or they can get up and say this has just been removed from the table and we move on like it never happened or it wasn't supposed to be voted on. Or I should say the second option is really not a debate thing. It's just that the president council maybe removes um, its backing of it. Thus, the vote would be basically probably a, a landslide for no only because a vote has to take place. But without president council support, basically the presidents would be like, hey, well, well we don't want to do this. And so there might be people who vote for it, but mostly will vote, will, will vote against it. But a vote would take place still. It just wouldn't be as dramatic as it were. And then the third option is just it's removed from the table. They just say, you know what, it's on your docket, but we aren't going to vote for it. So we'll keep abreast of that and see what happens with it and see how it impacts us. Remember, in basketball, it would impact in the fact that one scrimmage would be taking out so, two, scrim- two opportunities in the preseason, one of them would be removed, uh, and the other thing is one game would be removed. So, you'd go back to a 24 game regular season. So, that's the 10% reduction. We'll keep an eye on that. Going to sign off for the show here tonight. Again, I want to thank our guests tonight Dan Benjamin from Mount St. Joseph uh, for coming on the show, talking about Lauren Hill, his team, and obviously all the significance therein. I uh, also want to thank uh, Gary Stewart from uh, Stevenson for joining me uh, on the show as well, and of course, uh, Deanna Klingman from uh, Scranton for joining me. also want to thank Bob Quillman, our good friend, talk men's basketball with him. A little bit of a light show, but uh, just one of those days, as it were. Uh, We were supposed to have the Men's Basketball Committee chair on, but that was my screw-up. I had the wrong dates as to what he was traveling, so I kind of made an assumption uh, based on information I didn't put two and two together on. We will talk to him over the weekend. Again, questions for him or any of our guests, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, uh, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also email us Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Next week, off for Thanksgiving. We'll be back on the air December 4th with another Hoopsville, 7 o'clock Eastern start. We will have that conversation with Jeff Burns, the men's uh, committee chair. We'll also have Dave Martin at some point, either on the 4th or the 11th, join us. And we'll certainly have more guests from across the way. Uh, And you can certainly email us or send us ideas for guests. If you have ideas on how to decorate our studio, send those to us as well via the social media and email options that we have presented all show long. Uh, that's going to do it for us here tonight, um, and we will see you in two weeks. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy the first really full week of basketball, or weekend full of basketball here in Division III. Uh, don't forget, use the hashtag D3H to communicate with everybody on social media. Uh, thanks, everybody, once again for tuning in. This has been Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville on December 4th. Good night, everybody.